You're listening to The Bookstack with Annie, Nia, and Sydney. Hi, friends. Welcome to our fifth summer snack stack. I'm Annie. I'm Sydney. And I'm Nia. During this summer season, we're going to give you a snack-sized stack to keep you up to date with what we're reading. Sydney, would you like to share with us what you are picking up next? I would love to. I have another fun, weird history book. It's not really weird, but it's it's not just a regular history book. It's called An Atlas of Extinct Countries. It's Ooh. by Gideon Defoe. Okay. It came out in 2020, so it's fairly recent. But it's uh, it's one that's very... It just caught my eye, and the more I read from it, the more intriguing it is. I'm going to read the back flap to you. Okay, I'm ready. Quote, countries are just daft stories we tell each other. They're all equally implausible once you get up close. Unquote. Countries die. (laughs) Sometimes it's murder. Sometimes it's by accident. And sometimes it's because they were so ludicrous, they didn't deserve to exist in the first place. Occasionally, they explode violently. A few slip away almost unnoticed. Often the cause of death is either, quote, got too greedy or, quote, Napoleon turned up. Now and then they just (laughs) hold a referendum to vote themselves out of existence. This is an atlas of 48 nations that fell off the map. The polite way of writing an obituary is dwell on the good bits, gloss over the embarrassing stuff. This book refuses to do so because these dead nations are so full of schemers, racists, and con men that it's impossible to skip the embarrassing stuff. Because of this, and because treating nation states with too much reverence is the entire problem with pretty much everything, these accounts are not concerned with adding to the earnest flag saluting in the world, however nice some of these flags may be. That sounds really fun. Right? I love this. That sounds really fun. There's so much snark. Just reading through the intro, the author's snark just keeps increasing like yeah Gideon Defoe might be my like he might actually top Dan Jones for favorite nonfiction author he's not there yet because I haven't finished the book that is he is definitely in the running deal he is definitely in the running this guy is hilarious in his fact telling and it cracks me up that is a big deal I that is so cool (laughs) <laughs> you know, when I go on Wikipedia, which I do, I know I shouldn't, but I do. Most of my searches are for defunct countries <laughs> to find out what was this country that is now this country and what happened, who lived there. It mm-hmm. sounds to me like when you did it apparently die countries. I, I really need to read this book. I need this in my <laughs> life. So Annie, what about you? So the summer I have been reading more fluffy books, if you will, uh, books with easier to follow plots and very uh, straightforward structures. And I kind of went back to what I usually read, which is more uh, literary fiction and historical fiction. This one is This Tender Land by William Kent Kruger. It came out in 2019 and I've just not been reading it. I've had it and wanted to read it and I finally picked it up. Yay. So yeah, it's, I know it's been on my TBR list since it came out. And I just haven't had a chance to read it. It's going to take me a while, probably the rest of the summer, because it is a longer book and just covers so much more in depth. And it's an epic family story. So it's going to take me a little while. It's a little bit heavier just from the beginning than my previous summer books have been, but I'm still excited to read it. I'm only 15, 20 pages in. So I'm not very far into the book. And because of that, I'm going to read the synopsis from the back cover because I can. And hopefully this catches you like it caught me. I'm really excited to read it. So here we go. In the summer of 1932, on the banks of Minnesota's Gilead River, 
The Lincoln Indian Training School is a pitiless place where Native American children forcibly separated from their parents are sent to be educated. It is home to Odie O'Banion, a lively orphan boy whose exploits constantly earn him the superintendent's wrath. Odie and his brother, Albert, are the only white faces among the hundreds of Native American children at the school. After committing a terrible crime, Odie and Albert are forced to flee for their lives uh, along with their best friend, Mose, a mute young man of Sioux heritage. Out of pity, they also take with them a broken-hearted little girl named Emmy. Together, they steal away in a canoe, heading for the mighty Mississippi in search for a place to call home. Over the course of one unforgettable summer, these four orphan vagabonds journey into the unknown, crossing paths with others who are adrift from struggling farmers and traveling faith healers to displaced families and lost souls of all kinds. With the feel of a modern classic, this tender land is an enthralling, big-hearted epic that shows how the magnificent American landscape connects us all, haunts our dreams, and makes us whole. Wow. Yeah, it's going to take me a while. Yeah. And that's okay. I'm okay with that. fine. I am not very far into the book, like I said, but I'm liking it so far. Uh, I've really seen the relationship between Odie, Albert, Mose, the mute, and one of the teachers, Mr. Voles, and I'm liking their relationship. I'm hoping that it reads like a Marcus Zusak book. I don't know if you've read any of his books. He wrote mm-hmm. A Bridge of Clay. And I'm it's starting to read like that one. Just a very in-depth story of life and where mm-hmm. it takes you in relationships. So I'm really, really looking forward to it. Uh, one of the what I'm enjoying right now is that Mose, Moses, he's mute because his tongue got cut out. Because oh. you know, 1930s oh. American Indians, that's what happened. His tongue got cut out, so he's mute. And they taught, I think Albert was the one who taught him uh, sign language and just the things that they sign to each other because they're teenage boys, they just get away with so much because no one else understands what he's signing <laughs> and he Fair. swears and he calls people names and they just, it's good to see that they have this own, their own little language uh, amongst themselves that the superintendents and teachers haven't taken the time to learn. So they can't communicate with him. They have to communicate through other people, but it's nice to see this relationship and bond that the three of them have, because they're really the only people that can understand him. Uh, And it's pretty funny to read the things that they, that they say. (laughs) I mean, you could just imagine a bunch of 15 year old boys and the teachers aren't listening. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty fun. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to finishing stuff. it. I get it. Yeah. It's going to take me a while, but I'll get there. Uh, it should be good. Cool. All right, Nia, what are you reading right now? I am rereading right now. The book is called The Case of the Singing Sword. It's by T. Morris. It is a, there's two books in this series. I'm hoping he will eventually get around to writing more because the characters are fantastic. It was originally published in 2004. It was also from the patio book era, which we kind of talked about in our space stack when I went off on a tangent. Um, (laughs) But just as a refresher, that would be when podcasts were really, really new and people would put their books in serialized podcast episodes to get them out there, especially if they were trying to get a bigger reader base or some of the bigger publishers wouldn't pick them up, which is how I found this particular book. It has very the the audio for it is fantastic and if i categorize it it would be a whimsical urban fantasy noir Um, that's a lot (laughs) yeah but i can still picture it it's a lot but i can picture it 
that's a, a big mashup of genres. Yeah, but it but works. they weirdly it works work really yeah. really well. Cool. Um, I could try to encapsulate this. I love this book. I've listened to it several times. It's one of my palate cleanser books when I just need something fluffy that I can tune in and out of because I'm busy or can't focus. But I'm going to read the description because it is way better than anything I could come up with. Chicago, 1929. There are a thousand stories in the naked city. And when you're a dwarf at four foot one, they all look that much taller. It is the era of prohibition. Did he just say the naked city? That is what he said. Okay. I'm used to Chicago being the windy city, city, not the naked city. city. Yep. Okay. And when he says he's a dwarf, he is a dwarf, like from like axe or hammer wielding. Okay. Long beard. Fantasy style dwarf. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. So it is the era of prohibition where crime runs rampant in the streets and a city divided into territories serves as the ultimate prize. Somewhere in this underworld of Chicago, an enchanted weapon holds the key to ending the gangland wars. In the wake of the St. Valentine's Day massacre, only one man is enough to stand up against Al Capone, a four foot one dwarf named Billabub Battings, right? Oh yeah. Billy, as his friends come to know him, is a working stiff dwarf in the all too human sized world of Chicago. Seems that a brood of orcs and a renegade warlock had opened up a portal to oblivion in his home world and was planning to submerge his nine lands of Acrianus into the age of darkness. Billy had managed to throw a monkey wrench into those plans, but not before getting himself caught into the pull of that portal. When he came to, he found himself in the heart of the Windy City during the Roaring Twenties. After dealing with trolls, goblins, and rock dragons, Al Capone and Bugs Moran are about as intimidating as choir boys. (laughs) Right? Billy sets himself up as a tough-talking, waist-high, straight-dealing detective, and business was looking bleak until a dark-eyed beauty crossed his threshold with the case that involved the mob, the upper crust of Chicago society, and Billy's past. Get ready for The Lord of the Rings, written by Mickey Spillane. This pokes fun at the hard-boiled detective novel, fantasy mainstays, and even the legend of Chicago's 1920 underworld. I really needed that last... I really needed that last sentence. Yeah. Because I think that just sums up everything I Uh was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. It's everything. Yeah. It is. And he, so he's come into this world and he's trying to figure out, like, he doesn't even speak the language. So he's picked up all of the slang and that's kind of more how he talks. And he does. He sounds like a typical noir detective because that is what he's done. And it's, it, it is a delightful book. I really, really (laughs) liked it. I wouldn't, if I didn't keep reading it, I, you know, obviously I wouldn't like it that much. That's why I'd keep doing it. So if you're looking for something whimsical and light and I mean, T. Morris is brilliant anyway, but uh, I highly recommend this one. This one's one of my favorites. Yeah, that sounds really fun. Yeah, it does. It is. It's is a lot it of fun. one that I could, that could be read to children or not children, but you know, middle school, high school? Yeah. 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 This could be a YA. Okay. Cause I think my yeah. son would like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sounds like something that would really capture a family read aloud. Yeah. Yeah. Setting. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd go elementary, but yeah, definitely YA and up for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Or even a long road trip audiobook. Yes, definitely. Okay, cool. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Yep. All right, friends. Thanks for listening to this chapter of the book stack. As we sign off, we'd like to leave you with some food for thought, and we'll see you next time when we take a look at what we're reading now or next this summer for our sixth and final installment of our summer snack stacks. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at Bookstack Trio, 
And follow us at Bookstack Trio on Instagram and Facebook to see a full listing of the books mentioned in our stack. If you read a book from this stack, let us know what you think on social media. You can also find us on our website at bookstacktrio.com. Summer, after all, is a time when wonderful things can happen to quiet people. For those few months, you're not required to be who everyone thinks you are. And that cut grass smell in the air and the chance to dive into the deep end of a pool give you a courage you don't have the rest of the year. You can be grateful and easy with no eyes on you and no past. Summer just opens the door and lets you out. Deb Coletti, Honey Baby Sweetheart.